This is the In Focus podcast from The Hindu. Welcome to the In Focus podcast. My name is Jayan Sriram and I'm your host for today. We recorded this episode to coincide with a series of articles that we will carry in the Hindu over the course of this week explaining the verdicts in the four states West Bengal, Tamil Nadu, Kerala, Assam and the Union Territory of Puducherry that went to the polls this year. These articles are part of a post-poll survey done by the polling and research organization Lokniti CSDS that tracks the specificities in each state that shape the result. These post-poll surveys have been a feature of our recent election coverage in the Hindu and allow us to reflect on the data and piece together a larger trajectory of how politics in the country is evolving. The first of those pieces was out yesterday, that's May 4, and we'll of course link to that series along with this podcast. But over the course of the conversation today, we'll go over some aspects of the voter data that we have. both from the CSDS poll as well as from the research that our data team here at the Hindu has done and we hope it will help you go beyond the headlines of the recently concluded elections i'm joined by the hindu's deputy national editor srinivasan ramaji to discuss so we'll break this down into a couple of broad questions and i'll let you speak through the numbers So uh, the biggest story of course was Bengal where um the TMC so exit most exit polls kind of predicted a win for the TMC but nowhere close to the margin right like nobody predicted that they would get over 200 seats in the event they actually ended up with more seats than they got the previous time so that was sort of the unexpected incredible result so where did the where did the num- where did the numbers go their way so it's quite interesting how the trinamool performed um we did a you know a break up of the mandate in terms of uh, looking into whether uh, how the parties fared across geographical regions that is rural urban votes uh, across uh, you know specific regions uh, in the case of bengal uh, the elections were conducted over eight phases right so each of it was a particular region uh, we also looked into whether seats where there is a large number of people who are involved in farming whether there is a change in the kind of mandate that uh, uh, we are seeing in those areas in particular what we noticed notice was that the win for the trinamool was fairly uniform across all phases across rural and uh, uh, urban areas uh, so this was a very clear mandate for the uh, trinamool congress from uh, bengal one one very interesting thing that we found out was that the trinamool did very well in the last two phases phase 7 and phase 8 and these were phases that went to polls during the raging second uh, covid covid-19 wave uh, so one could prob- probably make a uh, you know hypothesize that the reason why the trinamool was favored over the bjp it is also substantiated substantiated by other numbers in the same phases in the constituencies that went to polls in the same phases in 2019 the trinamool had one 15% point, points lesser vote in those uh, in those two uh, uh, phases so that suggests that a certain degree of anti incumbency against the bjp uh, materialized in the later phases of the election and actually handed the uh, trinamool a very uh, sound victory interestingly all these uh, the final two phases were also held in uh, urban areas and in urban areas the trinamool was particularly 
uh, stronger uh, compared to more rural areas. In fact, seats with a higher number of uh, people who are uh, deriving income from farming, the BJP did slightly better. So uh, clearly, the exit and opinion polls kind of got the uh, trend right. They, they uh, hypothesized that the Trinamul would win the election. But uh, I think they got the uh, total tally wrong. A, because either they were hedging, like uh, Axis, uh, the Axis poll uh, suggested that the Trinamul would get uh, 44% vote share, but gave it uh, lesser seats than the BJP, even though the BJP's vote share was 43%. I, and I suspect they hedged their bets because they got the Bihar election wrong and they went, went the other side this time. The other thing was there was a lot of noise created by the BJP during the polls and which uh, the Trinamul's uh, political consultant uh, Prashant Kishore pointed to. Uh, and uh, this this creation of the so-called mahol about the BJP winning actually also perhaps swayed these uh, pollsters. Having said that, the CSDS poll, which is actually uh, going to be uh, published in our paper in this week, uh, the CSDS post-poll uh, survey hinted that uh, the Trinamul Congress would have a 7 to 8 percentage uh, uh, percentage point difference over the BJP and uh, this was just marginally lower than the actual 10% percentage point difference and so they had read the uh, uh, the polls quite rightly. We can actually suggest that the, the anti-incumbency against the center uh, was not accurately measured by these polls. The, the polls were probably focusing more on the local variables and the local factors uh, and uh, they, they had uh, probably overestimated uh, the uh, anger against the uh, Trinamool Congress government, which persisted in 2019, but over the last two years uh, has, seems to have uh, come down uh, dramatically, while uh, the anger against the BJP went uh, went ahead, uh, was, was higher compared to 2019. Right. So, uh, the results from 2019, which is basically what the BJP was kind of counting on, you yeah. know, they wanted to build on from that and uh, yeah. sort of try and yeah. sweep the state. So there, it, it does suggest that there was an anti-incumbency factor against the TMC in that election, but that trend had kind of reversed, right? We can't, we, we cannot, we cannot say that the, the that trend reversed. There was still some kind of residual anger with the way the Trinamool handled the cyclone issue, uh, some kind of residual anger with the uh, the way the Trinamool satraps were behaving, uh, the way they made their so-called cut money from uh, relief efforts and so on. But uh, I think the fact that Many of the Trinamool uh, leaders and their uh, middle managers and even their MLAs, the fact that most of them actually went on to join the BJP and the BJP also fielded a number of former Trinamool Congress uh, MLAs and uh, leaders, I think close to half of, in fact, more than 150 uh, you know, candidates were uh, had some association with the, the TMC in the past. I think that did not go very, very well with the voters. And the Trinamool was able to sell the idea that that some of the people whom against whom there was anti-incumbency had actually moved on to the BJP, and that 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 is how I think the Trinamool managed to control the uh, anti-incumbency factor. Secondly, uh, in the last two years since 2019, the Trinamool had also emphasized a number of welfare measures, some particularly targeting women, women and mothers and so on, and that seems to have a, had a significant impact, and uh, th- that is also measured in the CSDS post poll survey. It says that. The difference between the Trinamool and the and the BJP among uh, women was close to eight percentage points. I mean, support for the Trinamool was the support for the BJP right. seven to eight percent seven to eight percentage points among women. That showed that in the past also women had uh, uh, you know significantly favored the Trinamool much more than men had, and that that pattern has held so far. And the reason for that is also 
some of the welfare work that the Trinamool Congress did. And I would also venture to say that the kind of campaign that the BJP led did not sit too well with the women voters, especially Prime Minister Modi, the kind of heckling uh, during his rallies, calling uh, you know Mamta Banerjee, Didi O, Didi and so on. I think that did not sit too well. And uh, that was reflected in the fact that uh, women voters preferred uh, Trinamul more than the BJP. Right. So this set of elections, I think, um, in particular, kind of we're kind of coming to uh, this understanding on this hypothesis of how far communalization or polarization generally works. I think you saw Prashant Kishore also yesterday on TV saying that uh, there does seem to be statistically, if you look at it, some sort of limit to it. I think he pegs it somewhere at around 50 to 55 percent of uh, a community. I mean, what what are your observations on that? I, I mean, I think maybe in, in Bengal, that hypothesis can be sort of made clearly, right? Yeah, see, let's look at it this way. Yes, the the BJP's performance was you know uh, lower than expectations. It did, could not build upon its uh, show in 2019. Its vote share in 2019 was close, uh, about 41%. This time it managed barely 37%. So this was a disappointing performance for the BJP as a whole. But at the same time, this is a state where the BJP was supposed to be a fringe player for a long time. And uh, within five years, from 2016 to 2021, the BJP has emerged as the strongest opposition. So if you look at it from that perspective, then we can say that the BJP's agenda has also managed to make a, uh, a mark in Bengal. And a certain element of communalization had seeped into voting preferences in uh, in Bengal, especially among uh, Dalit community or the Namashudras in South Bengal or the Rajabangshins in North Bengal. So, certain amount of communalization had has set in. But the fact that the BJP emerged as the as the uh, as a party that could actually win the election, uh, the way this was portrayed during the elections, forced a lot of left voters and Congress voters to actually shift to the Trinamul. The Trinamul, for example, made massive dent into you know, strongholds of the Congress in Murshidabad, Murshidabad and Malda and left voters in urban areas who who were staunchly against this uh, communalization business, they actually went on to vote for Trinamul. Uh, the Trinamul uh, getting more than uh, 50% or nearly 50% was only possible if a chunk of the left and Congress voters uh, shifted their, uh, uh, you know, votes as well. So we cannot say that uh, communalization was not a factor. It was certainly one of the factors. But uh, other factors played um, a, a key role, uh, the welfare issues, the privileging of welfare by women voters in particular, um, and other local factors as well. But uh, we cannot rule out uh, communalization. And communalization actually helped in, for example, the Muslim uh, voters voting almost en bloc for, for the Trinamool Congress. Hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it does. Yeah. And um, let's just kind of move on from uh, from Bengal and come to, come to Tamil Nadu, ah. which is... Um, you know, where, again, um, the exit polls, I think, sort of pred- predicted a bigger win for the DMK than actually happened. Though I think most people on the ground did say that it was going to be a little bit closer. The AI DMK has done fairly respectably. This is not a route. In Tamil Nadu, they're used to seeing routes, you know, yes. because of this sort of uh, yo-yo anti-incumbency. But this was not a route at all. Yeah. So, you know, what does that mean for the DMK? Why did that happen? Uh, I think uh, opinion uh, about the ADMK's governance was relatively more positive than in 2019. Uh, the last two years, the way the government tackled the COVID-19 issue, uh, some of its policies such as uh, announcing 7.5 reserva- 7.5% reservation in uh, medical college for uh, students coming from government schools, 
even it's some of its more uh, problematic uh, policies such as uh, ensuring reserve, 10% reservation for the one year community among uh, obcs so uh, these issues actually help the adm case you know stave off uh, the anti incumbency factor uh, th- there was an anti incumbency factor clearly the adm ke government was in power for 10 years and a large section of the population wanted change but the change was not directed at edapadi uh, palanisamy's uh, government it was directed at getting uh, stalin in that's how i think i, I would read the mandate uh, so uh, uh, the adm ke therefore in its strongholds in western tamil nadu for example where uh, mr edapadi palanisamy comes from uh, the adm ke managed to hold on to its not only hold on to its strongholds but also did do significantly better than in 2019 in fact uh, in western tamil nadu the adm ke's vote share was 45.2% while that of the dmk coalition was 41.7% so nearly 3 and a half percentage points more than uh, the dmk in a sense the uh, admk was able to so i think that is also got to do the fact that expectations were very low with the admk after the demise of jalalita the uh, the electorate and most believed that the government won't last the admk will fritter away and uh, the the crisis that en- engulfs the party will result in splits which happened but also in the fall of the government but somehow uh, mr panisamy held on and uh, not only held on but also uh, tried to make a mark uh, by taking the covid 19 challenge head on and uh, there was a certain there was an element of uh, appreciation for what he had done right but what what about the bjp hurting the aidmk's chances uh, what's the data that we have on that yeah that's a good question jain so we know in 2019 that uh, tamil nadu was an exception along with kerala uh, in india in the sense that this were the two states that voted decisively against uh, the return of the uh, bjp to power uh, uh, while most of the states overwhelmingly favor- favored the bjp and that's the reason why in tamil nadu the dmk led front uh, which included the congress won more than 50% of the votes uh, nearly 53% uh, compa- compared to the admk bjp uh, front that uh, won close to 38% of the votes now what has happened in um, 2021 is that the uh, admk bjp's vote share has marginally increased uh, to 39% while the dmk's vote share has f- uh, fallen to around 46 45.5% rather the question can be answered in two ways you could say that uh, the fact that the bjp was part of the admk front uh, did not allow it to increase its vote share you can put it that way you could also say that the fact that the, the dmk could not repeat its strong performance in 2019 which was clearly a mandate against the bjp suggests that the bjp did not really uh, you know um, uh, the, you could suggest that the admk was not uh you know uh, that hurt by the presence of the bjp so uh, you can i mean you could you can twist the data in any way and come up with any of these answers what i would do is that i would look at what the bjp's vote share was in the seats it contested right the admk's vote share in the seats it contested and the pmk's vote share in the seats it contested these are the three parties in the admk alliance now that gives you very interesting data so the admk won close to 40.5 to 41% of the vote share in the seats it contested the pmk won around 38% and the bjp won just 34% that means to say that even though the alliance was coherent and this is the second time these three parties have gone as an as a front together the bjp polled much lesser po- votes at least 6 percentage points lesser than the admk and 4 percentage points lesser than the uh, lesser than the pmk 
that suggests that it was the weaker of the uh, you know three parties in the front and it could, you could say therefore that the bjp's presence in the front did not really help the front and that's how i would you know conclude as to the reason why the dmk's led front could not live, live, repeat its 50% uh, vote share i think some of the smaller parties the nam tamilar katchi in particular which managed an overall vote share of 6.5% uh, and and the makkal nidhi mayam they actually also played a role in reducing the uh, uh, anti incumbency vote and, uh, and that's the reason why the dmk could not repeat its uh, performance in 2019 now as to the reason why that is the case that we have to look at the csds post poll survey which is coming in uh, day after tomorrow to look uh, into the reasons why the the bjp was a liability was it the citizenship amendment act yes that could have been one reason was it uh, the neat issue was it the handling of the covid crisis uh, so we have to look at more granular information to make a you know decisive uh, understanding of why this was a, this was the case in 2019 the issue of demonetization the issue of handling the economy had actually played against the bjp and i think that residual anger persisted in 2021 as well okay and uh, just moving on quickly to to kerala now yeah. um so i think in kerala nasam the results are a little bit more straightforward um, yeah So um just just to start with Kerala um th- this it is historic though because yes the left front is beating anti incumbency after like nearly four and a half decades it's yes. 44 years yes so um they did i i mean even in the build up i think they got a lot of plaudits for the way they handled uh, the covid-19 crisis the yeah. way they generally their approach to development yeah what has been the numbers that have kind of worked for them so if you look at the victory margins for uh, kk shalaja teacher the health minister and uh, the chief minister pinarayi vijayan both of them were in the top 3 uh, uh, candidates in terms of who had the highest margins of victory in terms in percentage terms also in fact shailaja teacher has uh, won by a margin of 62 to more than 60000 62000 votes if i am not wrong which is the highest margin of victory ever in any election in kerala so i mean that itself tells you that the performance of the health ministry and the chief minister who spearheaded this response to covid in in the state was very well received by the electorate i mean the electorate clearly appreciated the government's response to the covid 19 then there were also uh, you know some of the uh, relief measures that the government undertook to you know handle the the, the floods in kerala uh, those were also well appreciated so i think the, these factors played an important role in keeping the floating vote uh, intact uh, supporting the supporting the ldf the ldf also got a shot in the arm by you know uh, getting the kerala congress money which was a traditional partner in the udf over to its side and the uh, kerala congress money actually performed quite well they it won six seats as well so that that helped it make a mark among the christian community uh, thirdly i think uh, the pinarayi vijayan government also to a multi class approach i mean in the sense that left governments traditionally Have, have combined welfare with a very strong class emphasis this time around uh, the the emphasis was more welfare oriented that targeted all sections of so- society without targeting any targeting any particular class enemy and this all class approach trying to uh, uh, favor the middle classes the lower middle classes the poor these measures actually helped the ldf win substantive uh, uh, votes beyond its traditional constituencies among the adavas the dalits who also favored them very strongly Uh, more importantly in kerala the bjp uh, which had emerged uh, with a 15% vote share if you look at the nds vote share in 2016 the nds vote share fell to 12% this time uh, and that's a surprise because 
nowhere in any part of the country was the has a bjp become a as a bjp been marginalized further even in tamil nadu they managed to win four seats uh, that means kerala also uh, decisively voted against the bjp and mr pinarayi vijayan and his party having taken some of the most strong uh, along with the dmk some of the most uh, strong ideological positions against the bjp that helped the ldf as well uh, the congress on the other hand uh they were caught in a bind uh they they could not really pin the government down on its uh, response to covid-19 on its performance uh, in terms of how it was tackling this uh, pandemic uh, therefore it uh, took resort to attacking the government again on the sabarimala issue which i think did not really matter uh, to the public as much it, as it did in 2019 and the fact that in 2019 uh, the congress candidate uh, for the prime minister post rahul gandhi actually was fielded from kerala that helped the congress won, win substantially in uh, 2019 uh, this being a state election uh, the, even that factor was absent so that's the reason why the congress couldn't perform well enough uh, we could also make the an, an slightly more uncharitable remark and say that the congress leadership was incompetent uh, it, it could not read the mood of the public and uh, if it had played a more constructive role during uh, in the opposition perhaps it would have won more plaudits but uh, some of its uh, antics in terms of uh you know trying to bad mouth the health minister and uh, calling names this did not sit too well with the electorate and only a few recognized congress names largely youngsters managed to you know stem the the negative vibes uh, uh, about the congress and managed to win um the udf was again bolstered by the performance of the iuml which seems to have had a, have had a better strike rate than the congress uh, so largely this explains the mandate in uh, uh, in kerala which is clearly a mandate for uh, continuation of good governance by the pinarayi vijayan led government right and lastly uh, just coming to assam um, where the bjp has kind of cemented a second term very important for them in the in this larger context i mean it, if they had combined it with a win in bengal it would have been even bigger of course but uh, a second term in assam is kind of confirming that they have a presence Yes, a kind of a more permanent presence outside of the Hindi heartland, yes. which is their yes. traditional base. Yeah. So, um, again, is 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 the is it is it a vote in favor of the the BJP government in Assam and what they've done? Uh, yes, uh, to a to a certain extent, some of its welfare measures in the in the in the in the tea gardens in Upper Assam has uh, delivered it a, a large section of votes in Upper Assam. Uh, its alliance strategy was well received. even uh, on the nrc issue i just had uh, a look at the some of the preliminary numbers published by csds more people favor the nrc uh, in assam than in any other state and of course this is the state where the nrc was implemented that actually helped the uh, bjp and the bjp on the other hand did not really talk too much about the caa issue which uh, which uh, unlike the nrc was not seen in that good light in assam and focused rather focused on his governance now i think in assam the congress did a good job in uh, you know c- coming up with a decent fight by announcing a grand alliance uh, and also uh, fielding its uh, young lieutenants to you know go across the state and uh, bolster support but the point also remains that this was somewhat too late i mean uh, the the congress only could prepare for the elections while it should have done much more uh, in terms of movements in terms of coming up with a clear uh, position on the nrc issue in the, the the idea of deportation of foreigners these issues were not really lifted by the congress they were actually uh, issues that were tackled by the civil society and by uh, you know militant leaders or radical leaders such as akil gogoi who did not want to ally with the congress precisely for this reason 
Akhil Gogoi and um, the, the AGP front, on the other hand, managed to, uh, the third front rather, they managed to also win uh, substantially, eating into the anti-incumbency and that helped the BJP. So this is a lesson I think the Congress must learn. Um, the, the Congress uh, uh, had a good strike rate in Tamil Nadu. It won 18 out of the 25 odd seats in Tamil Nadu. But it came a cropper in Kerala. It did not do particularly well in Assam. And in Bengal, it was routed. Uh, while on the other hand, the regional parties have done far better. So the lesson that the Congress must learn is that either if you have to defeat the might of the BJP, which is clearly the most resourceful, resource-rich party in the in the country today, and the almost the center pole of Indian politics, if you have to defeat on, or even take on the BJP, you need to have uh, an efficient organization which is uh, card, which, which has a significant number of cadres who work on the ground, or a long governance record, or you have to spearhead certain movements that uh, you know uh, allow you to gain a strong base. Now, on all these fronts, the Congress came up uh, short. So even if it had taken principled positions, even if it uh, articulated principled positions in opposition, they were not converted into mass mobilization. The Congress is just visible on Twitter and in the st- official statements that their leaders come up with. On the other hand, uh, parties such as the left, uh, they have articulated their opposition in more uh, effective ways by mobilizing people, uh, you know, keeping their cadres informed and uh, utilizing their cadres strength to spread the word. Uh, unfortunately, the Congress now lacks a cadre structure that allows it to translate its opinion and its positions into uh, into mass support. All right, we'll wrap it up there, Shini. And as you mentioned, the CSDS uh, post-poll survey will be published uh, in the Hindu from uh, tomorrow. That's the 4th of May. Yeah, thank you for joining us on this episode today and for recapping some of our major data findings. We'll see you back on the podcast again soon. Thank you, James. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.